Jesus is the Son of God. And that's what it takes, amen? So we've seen him getting saved. And not only that, we've seen him being a black man. And I've heard people teach and preach along the way, some of the old teachers, that uh, black folk can't get saved. Well, we got evidence of a eunuch getting saved in a Bible. And a eunuch, an uh, Ethiopian eunuch, uh, the eunuch was a male that had been castrated, uh, but Ethiopia uh, was folks of color, amen. And I want to tell you what, uh, Brother uh, Jomo was a tremendous blessing to me, and if that man ain't saved, ain't nobody saved, amen? And so we see a lot going on in these verses of Scripture uh, there in Acts last week. And we want to go similar to that direction here today also. Uh, you got your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Please turn with us to the back of your Bible in Revelations chapter 21 and verse 8. I'm going to read there first and then I'm going to turn over to Galatians. And uh, you'll probably start to see a pattern here in just a few moments once we start reading uh, these verses of Scripture. Revelations chapter 21 and verse 8. Give you time to turn there. Shouldn't be too hard. A second to last chapter in your Bible. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8 said, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire, with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now let me go ahead and say this, because they chose not to choose Christ is the reason that the lake of fire is their eternal destination. It doesn't mean these folks cannot be born again. It doesn't mean they couldn't have got saved or anything like that. It just means somewhere along the way they rejected the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now uh, that is their destination. But you notice that little word, liar, there? You know, we've seen the fearful and unbelieving. It goes all the way down, whoremongers, all the way down uh, to the little thing that's called a lie. And can I tell you, there's no such thing as a black lie or white lie, big lie, little lie, a lie's a lie, regardless of how you look at it. And those, what it's talking about here, that has a continual, habitual life, are committing that same sin over and over and over and over again. Amen. We'll talk more about that here in just a moment. But turn with us to Galatians chapter 5, if you don't mind. I don't have it marked in my Bible, so I have to turn with you. Galatians chapter 5. About verse 19 and a verse 20, I believe it is. Galatians chapter 5 and verse uh, 19, 20, 21. The Bible says, Now the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Best way I can tell you that is uh, pornography, uh, child molesters, uh, women abusers, uh, abusing themselves with mankind, bestiality, I believe is what they call it, and that's where you have uh, uh, intercourse with animals. And, and friend, I want to tell you, we're living in a day and hour. The worst, a lot of things going on that if you don't know will absolutely blow your mind. That's what it's talking about. Then it goes down to verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft. Now, if you study this word witchcraft and sorcery uh, over here in uh, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 8, the bottom one is sorcerers, that would have to do with the drugs because sorcerers back then used to use drugs to get feelings and to cast their spells and their enchantments, so to speak. And so we see that listed here also. Uh, hatred, violence, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, 
reviling and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in times past. Look at what it says. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Shall not. Those which do such things. That there again is a continual action. Does it mean that sometimes we don't get uh, upset? Does revilings mean to lash on somebody with your tongue? Does that mean that we uh, don't have a time every now and then that we'll do something like that? Yes, we're going to mess up. But we're not going to continue in that. If we're saved by God's amazing grace, that's what we want to talk about for just a few moments this morning. Now look with us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we've brought some thoughts out of these verses before. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, 10. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infamites, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extorters, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at these verses of scriptures here for just a few moments, but I must ask you to start off with, and we've got to ask ourselves, do we believe the Word of God this morning? And if we believe the Word of God at face value, we're going to have to look at these verses of Scripture, believe in what God has said, and me not trying to add anything whatsoever to it, but just elaborating on what the text means and taking in the context of what it means. And friend, I want to tell you what, the Word of God is the Word of God. And I remember a point in time in my life to where I had a profession of, uh, when I was eight years old, I said a prayer, and you know, I was going on that prayer, and, and then when I was about 28 years old, that God came by my way and done something miraculous in my life. I could not explain it. I did not know exactly what was going on. I thought I had rededicated my life, but after studying the Word of God for almost a complete year, I come across these verses of Scripture that we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, down through verse 10, and I looked at those verses of Scripture and I said, Lord, I said I had years that I spent in some of these sins. I had years that I had problems with some of these sins, and I'm not proud of that and you know it dawned on me like a ton of bricks that I didn't get saved when I was 8 years old that God by the way of the Holy Spirit and the scripture showed me that I got saved when I was about 28 years old amen and because I believe God chastises those that are his and he's not going to let you get by with things for a long length of time and I don't know what the time frame is on him but as we look at these verses of scripture this morning and we go understand what the word of God has to say about truly being born again hopefully and prayerfully again as we look at this uh, much like we did last Sunday about the Ethiopian Union. Uh, do you believe the word of God this morning? I'd have to say amen. Yes, I believe the Bible. Uh, does the Bible say we're not to live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God? And uh, So we've got to take the Bible and we've got to take this word of life because it brings life. But if we continue to walk in being deceived and then we have no life, we've not partaken of that bread of life. And the Bible tells us that he's the living one and I want the living water and I've received the living water and he said that living water a man shall never thirst again and I want to tell you this Bible is quick it's powerful and it's sharper than any two edged sword so some of the things that will be said this morning it's not going to feel real good amen and, but we want to look at it for just a few moments and if I may I want to tell you what's going on here in this church of Corinth we bought some books the other day and boy a tremendous study too about the church of Corinth 
If you read your New Testament, the church of Corinth is one of the harshest letters that the Apostle Paul had to write to any of the other churches. Boy, they had a lot of mess going on in those churches. And to begin with, the church at Corinth was a, a defiled church. As some of the members were guilty of sexual immorality. Others were getting drunk. Still others were using the grace of God to excuse their worldly living. Does that sound like anything that we're dealing with today in our churches, in our, in our congregations, and when we see somebody that calls herself a Christian? And then it was also divided. The church was divided. Last time I read the Bible, a house that's divided cannot stand. And they was divided into four groups. And those groups had to do with leadership and friend I want to tell you God has ordained leadership in the church and I'm not saying this boasting or prideful or anything like that but God ordained the pastor to lead the church and that's where he's supposed to go according to scripture I read a sign just the other day and said that uh, had the word deacon up there and said made them overseers of the church no he didn't make a deacon an overseer of a church he made the pastor the overseer of the church and the word deacon means a servant of the church amen and friend I want you to understand that if a pastor goes out doctrinally wrong he makes some immoral decisions or in his life or has some sins in his life that need to be dealt with yes a congregation has the right to dismiss that pastor on the grounds of sin in his life and on the grounds of doctrinal issues but this church here was divided over leadership they had all kinds of opinions amen and we need to cast our opinions aside and just get back to what thus saith the Lord because I grant you this the word of God has an answer to all our opinions Amen. And so we see this church was a church that not only was divided, it was divided, it was a church of disgrace. Instead of glorifying God, it was hindering the progress of the gospel. Uh, how did this happen? The members of the church permitted the sins of the city to get into the local assembly. Isn't it a shame the day and hour that we live in uh, that the world has influenced the church more than the church has influenced the world? And so this city of Corinth was a very vile and it was a very wicked town and they would consider if somebody walked up and called you a Corinthian, you would consider that a disgrace and that would be terms of for fighting grounds. Amen. And so this was a very vile community and the reason all this happened to the church is because they let this stuff infiltrate the church, friend. And that seemed like the day and hour that we are living in. This church at Corinth was rapidly losing the testimony in the city. You know why God said shining light on the side of Flat Shoals Road? To be a testimony to a lost and dying world. Uh, to be a testimony to this uh, a community here in Germantown and in Meadows and uh, in Wanty Cove and uh, in those areas abroad like that. And, and the reason that God's allowing us to plant a church over in Sandy Ridge and have the tent meeting over there is just to be a testimony of, of what Christ can do. And uh, you know, have we forgot about holy living? Abraham, I want to tell you what, he, hey, we're to be holy for he is holy is what the Bible tells us. And, and we don't believe in that seem like anymore but friend we got a testimony we got one shot a lot of times to get this thing right and we need to make sure we're headed in the right direction but the church of Corinth was rapidly losing its testimony in an ungodly city and the church had become almost as ungodly as the city that it was centered in 
May I tell you, you can walk in the midst of filth and not be defiled by the world. Amen. I hear everybody say, well, boy, you got to get out around that crowd. I want to tell you what, you get a good old dose of getting born again by the good grace of God, that crowd will get out around you. Amen. Hey, when a woman at the well got saved by God's amazing grace, she didn't go back with Jesus. She didn't leave nowhere and go nowhere else. He said, go back and tell them how great are things that I've done for you. We've got the wrong mindset about this thing. Amen. Hey, when a man with a legion of demons got saved by the good grace of God, he was found seated and in his right mind at the feet of Jesus and he said let me go back with you he said oh no I've got to work for you you go back to that crowd at you, where you was at and you tell them how great of things I've done for you the biblical thing about salvation friend it's not about the world having influence on us but about what Christ has done for you and you have an influence on that world around you do you know the reason that you can't stand the crowd that's around you and they're going to influence you because you ain't got enough God about you to run nobody off I ain't told, I don't want to run nobody off. But when you stand for Jesus' sake, it's going to offend people and they either going to draw closer to Christ or they're going to get far away. Amen. We've got to quit worrying about feelings. Amen. We've got to start worrying about the souls of men and women and boys and girls dying and going to hell because I'll be honest, this thing's a serious matter. This is the most serious matter and the serious thing going on in this great nation we live in and across this world is a preaching of the gospel that's going to make a difference in time and eternity, amen. Boy, I, I enjoyed talking to Brother Joe Moe and, and talking about most important things and we talked about church and I said, do you guys build big churches? He said, no, we don't build huge churches. I, I, it ain't nothing wrong with big churches. Don't get me wrong what I'm saying. But he said, whenever uh, 10 folks come from over here and get saved, he said, I'll send a preacher with them and they'll go back and plant a church. He said, about 10 more come from this way over there. And he said, they'll get saved. I'll send a preacher back with them and I'll plant a church. And I said, you don't build big churches? He said, no, it's not about numbers it's about the souls of men I said praise God man I'm liking you brother amen and then we was talking about graves and uh, uh, funeral service he'd never been to a funeral in America and I said, we'll probably do a little different than you and we talked about how that it costed so much to have a funeral nowadays and when I told him it was ten dollars to $15,000 he said oh my I forgot how many churches he said he could plant for that he said, in Africa, we wrap them in a blanket and everybody comes, digs the grave, and we put them in there. He said, it doesn't matter how extravagant the funeral service is. It matters about what they did with Jesus before they was put in the ground, amen. Fred, I want to tell you what, we got to get back to the place to where we just believe this Bible and we got the wrong mindset about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, the gospel changes people. It changes people. It changed my life. I'm not what I ought to be and I have to ask for forgiveness all the time and ain't no doubt about it. But I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. And I had a dear brother tell me that on the phone the other day. He said, brother, just think about if God hadn't saved you and God hadn't started using you. It's nothing about us. It's all about the grace of God. And he said about the families that you've impacted, this, that, and the other. Friend, I thank God that he saved me. Amen. And made a difference in my life. But we see this church in Corinth that allowed the world to come in. Then they brag much about their spiritual gifts. Now check this out. Most of the spiritual gifts that's talked about that's used in a lot of churches today, the spiritual gifts they talk about comes out of Corinthians a lot. Isn't it amazing when people are living ungodly and carnal, they want to brag about how spiritual they are. That's exactly what's going on here in this church of Corinth. They bragging all about their spiritual gifts. The apostle Paul had to deal with that. Yet they were so far away from God, they wouldn't have known him if he showed up. So we see this as just an introduction to 
being not deceived this morning. And I go back to that because I've got a heart's burden. The tent meeting seemed like it was primarily to reach those that had addictions and problems in their life. But I believe time after time again as folks sit on the church pew Sunday after Sunday after Sunday that have problems in their life and they don't realize it and if they do, they just don't want to deal with it. And it burns my heart that folks are going to die and go to hell off a church pew and you can go to hell off a church pew just as quick as you can from the drug house and the ballroom and, and, and the jail house and anywhere else. You can slide off in the lake of fire from here just as easy as you can anywhere else because every single one of us has got to come the same way. We've got to come by the Lord Jesus Christ and if you don't come that way, you ain't a coming, amen. And we all just need to get back and realize the glorious gospel and, and stop letting the devil deceive us along the way and that's what I've been praying God just lift some blinders of those folks that are religious and never been saved by your amazing grace and that they just get born again and get into the family of God now I want you to look at, at that very first phrase in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 it says know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God it's got a question mark after that. He asked a question. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He's questioning us. Do we know that this morning? We ought to know that. Because our righteousness according to the Bible is as filthy rags and the only way we can be righteous is because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that He imputes to us after we get saved by His amazing grace. And so if you're anything this morning, you are as the Apostle Paul said, only by the grace of God I am what I am. So he asked the question, do we not know that the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he went on to say something else. Look what else he said. He said, be not deceived. Be not deceived. And I began thinking about that a few weeks ago and about the folks that sit on a church pew Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday that's been deceived by the devil, by the world, by the flesh. And when I say flesh, I mean the pride of the flesh. Well, I don't want to... I don't want to tell nobody that I ain't got some things right in my life. Well, friend, I wouldn't want to deal with that myself. I'd want to give that thing to God. That word deceive means to believe something that is not true. Something that is not true. That's what the word deceive actually means. And as we look at these verses of Scripture, the very first thing that he said, do you know that, hey, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, be not deceived. The very first thing that he mentioned was fornication. What is fornication? Well, for those that may not know, let me break it down as easy and simple as I can. It's any type of intercourse before marriage. That's what it is. Young people, listen. By the testimony of one gentleman, he said when he was a teenager, he fornicated and he started him on a downhill spiral and took him a lot of places he never thought he'd wind up at. And he stayed there for years and years and years and now he's got emotional scars and problems that he'll deal with for the rest of his life even though he got saved and it's put behind him and it's under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say this, you may have sinned but you don't forget your sin, amen? And sin, don't forget where it had you at and it's going to hold on to you if, uh, if you'll let it he'll pull you back to where you was and if friend I, I tell you if you've got forgiveness keep moving on for God but some of the mental and emotional problems that this causes is unreal 
And you think right now, well, it ain't going to bother me. And I know what teenagers think. Y'all tough. I know y'all are. Hey, man, I was one one time too. But now that I'm older, I realize that I was a tough teenager. I was tough-headed and didn't want to listen to what nobody else told me. And that's the reason I was tough. I just wasn't tough where I thought I was tough at. And things that's going on right now, I'm going to tell you, it's going to impact you when you're older. You may be 67 years on down the road and, and friends, things is going to come back to your memory and things are going to start flooding your mind. And when you start having problems in other relationships, you're going to think about some of those past relationships. It's important to make sure that we choose the one that God has chosen for us. The very first thing that mentioned is fornication. That means any kind of sexual act outside of marriage. That's what it means, Amen. I know it's going to be quiet in here this morning, but that's all right. Because don't know. Well, let me just use that big word, sex. Don't nobody like talk. You ain't supposed to talk about that behind the pulpit. If you don't talk about it at home, then somebody's going to teach your youngin. Somebody's going to tell you something about it. And friend, I'd rather get educated at the house of God than at home than I would down at the schoolhouse where they're handing out condoms and birth control and talking about abortions and everything else. Amen. Friend, I'm telling you, God ain't in all that. He ain't nowhere around it. Hey, just go use what you can use and enjoy your life and stay as safe as you can. And friend, we got an antidote for it over here if you mess up. Friend, it ought not be like that, amen? Let's follow this right here through a couple of chapters real quickly. Fornication in chapter 5. Look at it real quickly. It says it is calmly reported calmly that there's fornication among you. He's talking to the church. Talking to the church. He's talking to a group of so-called believers. He said it's a common thing among you. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Now they've got somebody who says, hey, he's with his father's wife. That would be like incest. There's a lot going on here. So it's a common thing. May I say in our churches today, it's a common thing. I don't want you to be deceived about this thing. Now look in, five, uh, in chapter 5 and verse 9. Look what it says. I wrote unto you in this epistle to not keep company with fornicators. Don't hang around them. Listen to me, young people. You got a friend that's fornicating, having uh, intercourse outside of marriage. You hang around that, and they're going to tell you how good it is. Next thing you know, you're going to want to be right up in the same thing. And once you start on that downhill slide, that flesh desires it so bad, if you don't experience it to start off with, right now you don't know what you, uh, what you are, can enjoy or missing out on or whatever you want to look at that. And if you stay that place, you're a lot better off. But I want to tell you what, when that flesh is set on fire, it's not going to be a whole lot to hold it back. Because that's, that's a strong desire. That is as strong as a desire for a man as a man desires something to eat. You look at it in the Bible. There's two things God says we can fast from because He knows we desire it so much. That's eating and then your, uh, your uh, bonds of marriage, what God ordained in the marriage, that you can fast from the pleasures uh, of sex. God knows it's a strong desire. The Bible says not to keep company with it. Now look what else it said in verse 10. Yet not altogether with fornicators of this world or with covetous or extorters or with idolaters for then must ye needs go out of the world. And it is written in verse 11 unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, covetous or idolater or a railer or a drunkard. It says if somebody's called a brother and they're caught up in that don't be hanging out with them. That's Bible, amen. I'm just reading what God's Word said. I ain't even elaborated on that yet. 
I don't think it needs any elaborating. It speaks for itself. And don't even hang out with them. And if you ain't supposed to hang out with somebody called a brother that's drinking, fornicating, and everything else, our Lord knows we shouldn't hang out with somebody in the world doing the same thing. Amen. I'm telling you, we got to get back to some biblical grounds here. And then the Bible tells us it's common in the church here in Corinth. It tells us to keep no company with it. Now look at chapter 6, verse 18. Look what it tells us to do. In chapter 6, verse 18, it says, flee fornication. You know what that means? How many of you ever had gala jackets on you? Hey, man, you work in my line of work, you'll learn real quick. Hey, man, boy, if you want to work on those yellow jackets, you go at night and you give somebody you don't like the flashlight and you hit that nest real hard, they go into the flashlight. Hey, man. Hey, man. And you think about it like this, that word flee means to get away as hard and fast as you can. Flee, get away from it. Don't have nothing to do with it. Run from it. Well, somebody's going to talk about me if I run from it. If you don't get close to it, you may not have to run from it. But then something else we look at is not only common. Look what verse, chapter 7, verse 1 and 12 says. Now concerning the thing, wherefore ye wrote unto me, they wrote unto him because of fornication and marriage situations. He said, it is not good for a man to touch a woman. You know what that means? And I had people tell me I was crazy by saying this. But I honestly believe it laying lips on a woman before your marriage fornication. You look at these verses of scripture says, not a man not even touch a woman. Well, if you touch her with your lips... You've touched her. And that is the very first step to getting that lust and that flesh riled up. And it ain't but a couple of more until you are somewhere that you ought to not be putting yourself in a place to flee. That's what the scripture says. He says it's, not good, it's, not, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, in verse 2, to avoid fornication, so we're avoiding it now, let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. So if you study those scriptures in a context, you're not supposed to touch her unless you're ready to marry her. You say, well, that's old-fashioned. I believe it as much as this was written about 2,000 years ago. And if that makes me old-fashioned, praise God, call me what you want to. But that's exactly what it says here. And he says, if you can't avoid it, you better just go ahead and get married. And let every man have his own uh, uh, wife and every woman have her own husband. And so the very first thing that we see mentioned here is the word fornication. And it's all surrounded in these other couple of uh, chapters here. And so we see that. But the next thing we see, what else does it say? It said, be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters. What is the word idolatry? What does that mean? Anything that you put before God. We're living in the most idolatrous nation, I believe it is. You know, when we think about idolatry, we think about the golden Buddhas, and we think about uh, all these things made out of wood and gold and all, all these other trinkets that people have and worship. And I've been in some homes, man, it's just an eerie feeling. You walk up, and they got an altar set up, and they got all these pagan images around there, and they got their prayers all laid out and their chants that they do. Uh, yes, that's idolatry, but America is one of the most idolatrous nations you'll ever see in your life. Amen? Uh, they've got sports gods. They've got racing gods. They've got fishing gods. They've, they've got children 
children's as they're God's. They've got uh, other things that they're God. Their bodies are God. And, hey, friend, I ain't, no, ain't nothing wrong with being healthy, but you see these people lift weights all the time and uh, they'll show you all about them. Friend, praise God, I'm still blessed with what God gave me with. Amen. And pumping that sprayer helps out a whole lot. Hey, if I had time, I might weight lift a little bit too. But we find that the Greeks, their, their body was their God, and we're living in a nation much the same way. We've got some people that their knowledge is their God. I want to tell you knowledge is good, but when you try to thank God out of the equation, uh, you're trying to get a little too smart for your own good, amen? Because we try to think we're smarter than God. And so idolatry is anything that would become between you and God. That's what idolatry is. And then he talks about adultery here. Well, well what's adultery? Well, when you got a, uh, a husband or you got a wife and you lay with another husband or wife or whatever the case may be, uh, that's adultery. That's what adultery is. It ain't no other. I mean, that's the definition of it. And then the infamites, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And I, let me say this before I say anything else. I'm glad God listed it in the order that he did of these sexual immorality sins here. Now we get down to the ones that carry themselves. An infamite would be a gentleman that would carry himself as a woman. And the abusers of themselves with mankind. That would be those that a man with a man and a woman with a woman. And going against the nature that God created us to be with us a man with a woman and a woman with a man it goes against that and it says here in these verses of scripture those things are listed there and the next time and I tell you what I want to see them all saved I ain't got nothing against nobody but I want to tell you what I just covered a few words there that throws a whole lot of people in there and once upon a time I was in there in that verse I fell in that verse I'm not proud of it, but I fell in that verse. And so don't go out saying, well, you know, he's picking on this crowd, this crowd, that crowd. No, God ain't picking on nobody. He's just trying to get some deception moved out of the way so we can see who he is and see who we are. And so next time somebody tells you there ain't nothing wrong with some of these things, take them back here to these verses of Scripture. Next time you got one that likes a man with a man and a woman with a woman and say it ain't nothing in the New Testament about it, uh, take it right here and show them. It's in the New Testament we're looking at. And I'm not trying to be hateful or mean or nothing. I'm honest. God knows my heart. I want to have compassion on everybody. I don't want nobody to be deceived because this thing of eternity is a serious thing. Now look at verse 10. Nor thieves. Well, we know who that is. Somebody's got a habit of stealing. Taking all the time. You know, they, they, something they've not worked for. I'll be, I, man, I'll tell you, I have to work hard for what I got. I don't know nobody else taking it. But we've got folks, they make a living by stealing and taking things. And, you know, and I know what some people think. Well, the government robs me all the time. And if they get right with God, I promise you they wouldn't want to rob you. And we have got some good people in government that tries to stop all that. And we need to pray for them. Amen. But thieves, they're constantly stealing and they're taking a covetousness. And that's where you're always desiring to have something that don't belong to you. Man, I tell you what, I... I like them town cars. Praise God I like them. I mean, honestly, I do. They stopped making them in 2011, so ain't no way I'd ever get a new one. I'd like an old one, but I don't want to covet it. I don't want it so bad that I, I have thoughts running through my mind. of, uh, And guess what covetous is? You think about how you come attain that. I don't want that to become uh, oh, so over-infatuate me that all I worry about is just how I'm going to get that. And now I, I, I like them four-door crew cab F-250s. Four-wheel drive. Amen right there. Somebody like Chevrolet, it's okay if you don't want to be right with God. That's fine with me. Amen. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I believe they're all good as long as they run good. But I don't want to covet that. 
You know, the Bible tells us not to cover the neighbor's wife, too. Thank God be happy with the one you got. Amen. Whoa, God gives enough grace to deal with one, I believe. Amen. Amen. So, covetousness, that's thrown in there. Now, notice this. What else does it go to? It goes to drunkenness. Oh, my goodness. Drunkenness. What does the Bible say about that? I'm trying to find here. I marked it here in my scripture somewhere. If I can find it real quickly, talking about drunkenness. You know, we, we got some things that in the church house is just unreal when it comes to the subject of drinking. Let me look it up here in 3571 real quickly. 3571. The Bible says about drunkenness and drinking, you know, everybody says a little something don't hurt nothing. May, may I make this statement? If you study the book of Proverbs, it is a time for uh, alcohol content. I know some Baptists ain't even going to like this. But it has to do with sickness and people dying. We understand that. Some of you drink NyQuil. That's got alcohol in it. It's a medicine. I can't drink it. It gives me nightmares. I mean, I fight demons all night long. And I believe it's the reason I believe that, that it does me like that because I had a drinking problem when I was a teenager. I cannot stand NyQuil. It drives me out of my mind, honestly. I mean, I'll, I'll whoop you laying beside me in the bed, amen. I can't stand the smell of hand sanitizer because the alcohol content in it gets me sick as a dog, honestly. It gets me sick. And if I'm trapped up in a vehicle and somebody gets out hand sanitizer, it takes me over an hour just to get over the smell of it. But alcohol, listen, listen, real quickly, Proverbs, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says, wine's a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. That says wine and strong drink. You know, well, we take a little wine, it's good for you. 100% grape juice, according to the doctors, is better for you than a glass of wine is. So if you're, if you're taking something for your health, get you some 100% grape, uh, grape, uh, Welch's grape juice. And it says, whoever sees thereby is not wise. The other opposite word of wise is foolish. Proverbs 23, 20, be not among winebibbers and among righteous eaters of flesh. That means don't hang out with them. Uh, who have woe, who have sorrow, who have contentions, who have babblings, who have uh, wounds without cause, who have redness of eyes. They that tarry long at the wine. They that seek mix wine. Uh, look, now notice this, Proverbs 23 and 31. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. You know what that means? Don't even look at it if it's fermented. You can go look at those verses of Scripture and you say, Man, you think I'm crazy, but you study the context of that Scripture and you look up the wording there. It tells us not even to look at it because lust starts with a look and if you don't ever look at it, you won't have to worry about it because when you look at it, you have a desire to grab it and when you have a desire to grab it, you have a desire to put it on the inside of you and once it's on the inside, it's going to do what it does. It's like drinking a liquid devil. So we see drunkenness. Nor revilers. Well, what's revilers? Those that take their tongue to tear down. Oh, my goodness. Boy, they, they, they tear down the, uh, the work of God. They would tear down the 
people of God. They would tear down things around them. Boy, I'm going to tell you what, that tongue is a very, very sharp instrument. And revilers, you better watch those that run around the house of the Lord and, and name the name Jesus, but yet every time they're running around, they're cutting a the preacher with their tongue, they're cutting this one with their tongue, and uh, they're, they're cutting this one with their tongue because they're not uh, living quite like they think they ought to. And I'm going to tell you what, you're talking about somebody, you're probably just as worse off as they are, amen? Uh, but those revilers are those that cut with their tongue and a lash on them and uh, that would fall into the category of busybodies and tail bearers and uh, it's a lot that will fall in there. Our tongue is not used to tear down as a Christian but it's supposed to be used in, in order to be uh, built up, amen. So those revilers and uh, Norik Storners, that word there means to get something by taking advantage of people. It means like using your authority to take something for somebody. Or you may be richer than somebody and you would take from the poor. And uh, you know, we're not to take advantage of people as Christians. And if you're a child of God, you ought to not even have it in your heart to take advantage of someone. And if you even think about it, that Holy Spirit of God ought to bother you real good. Amen. I know I can tell you how God works on me. I've had people ask me before in my line of business, why don't you charge X amount of dollars because everybody else in some of the areas that you work is three quarters more than what you charge. I don't want to take advantage of nobody because I've got a God in heaven that loves and cares for me and looks after me. And if I did take advantage of somebody, the Holy Spirit of God wouldn't let me rest real good at night. Friend, all these things here, and then if you look at it, the last part of verse 10 is a sad thing. It says, shall not, or shall, extorters shall inherit, or nor, let me, let me read it all in the context, nor thieves, nor covenants, nor drugs, nor revilers, nor externals shall inherit the kingdom of God. That means those that's caught up in these sins, those that are constantly uh, falling to these things and uh, they don't get over them and they're constantly going back to them. You know what it's evidence of? That they need the Holy Spirit of God on the inside. My wife bought me a new study Bible for, I think, birthday or anniversary. They're so close together. And they got it. she got it when we went on that women's trip up there that y'all enjoyed so good. Amen. And it's made us so jealous as me and I told them down in the prayer room a while ago that we can't let the women get one up on us. We're going to start getting together too. Amen. But that study Bible's a blessing. And I was looking at these verses of Scripture in the notes on that study Bible and it was talking about some of the things over in Galatians. It said these things, those that do such things, it's evidence that they don't have the Spirit of God that He puts in you upon salvation. And that's what they need. Friend, it's not my words. It's what God said. And it breaks my heart that people's going to say it in service after service after service, being deceived and in that condition. I was in some of those verses. I was a drunk. I was some other things, and I'm not proud of none of it. I remember when God showed me in these scriptures, I truly got born again when I was about 28 years old. I thought I rededicated my life. But God showed me these verses of Scripture. No man could live the life I was living and have the Spirit of God on the inside of him and continue there for a length of time. I'm glad God will show you that. And boy, I tell you, I got burdened down in these verses of Scripture. Every one time God laid them on my heart. Some of you heard a testimony before and I was like, Lord, I, man, I've been in several of those, those things that we just mentioned. And I read on a little bit further in verse 11 and says, such were some of you. You know, we got to remember where we come from. If you got saved at a young age and always lived for God, praise the Lord for it. 
That's a blessing, but some of us have come from these verses of Scripture, verse 9 and verse 10, and such were some of us, and we got to realize that these folks, they need saving too. Uh, they need God in their life. They need to be saved by the good grace of the Lord. They need to be born again, and uh, we shouldn't be downing them, and I, I promise you I'm not downing nobody here, and, uh, and I've heard people speak against, uh, uh, hard against the homosexual, but friend, I, I want to see them saved just like I do the drunk, amen, or, or the ones that's in drugs or anything like that, or the religious person. I want see everybody come to the saving knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. We ain't picking on nobody above or beyond nobody, uh, one above the other. We all need to come by the same way and that's by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and such were some of you but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Be not deceived. Is the title of the message this morning. You know, I believe churches all over this land all over this land and members in all churches all over this land are being deceived Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Miss Jane, if you don't mind, come get us a little something on the piano. Say, preacher, I got some of those things going on in my life. Well, I deal with it with the Lord. I'd let him lead and guide me if we all stand all over the church house. I know some of the things said this morning is not real popular. Especially about, don't even touch a woman. I know that. Apostle Paul said it's not good because a touch leads to other things. I know it's not popular about the fornication and because it's such a strong desire and we live in a society that if you hadn't by the time you're 16, they mock and make fun of you. That's the society we're living in. But I want to tell you what, I'd rather be able to lay down on my wedding night, my, my honeymoon night, and know that my wife knows no other man outside of me. Amen. And I'd like to lay down on that wedding night and know that that woman didn't know nobody but me, and then that husband didn't know nobody but that woman. Because you know what that means? You don't have to worry about any other thoughts. You don't have to worry about any other thoughts of competition. You don't have to deal with emotional things later on. You're not comparing this one with this one and that with that. And you say, how do you know these things, preacher? I do a whole lot of study and I read behind a whole lot of people and I read counseling books. And hey, I, that's what I'm supposed to do because I'm a pastor and that's what a pastor does. He leads, he guides, he prays and he tries to let people know what's coming down the line. It's commonly reported among the Corinthian church and I believe it'd be commonly reported among our church. I'll be honest, it probably surprised some of us sitting in here. If we knew everything that went on. But I'll tell you this. If you're a member of the church, you're accountable to the church. If you're not a member of the church, you're accountable to Christ. If you're His. And if you're not His, you go be accountable to God. But that drunkenness, I talked to a brother the other day. He's talking about addictions. Somebody very close to him is addicted. And a gentleman I was talking to used to be a drunkard. And he said that boy that had been dealing with addiction asked him, he said, did when you really got saved, did God just take it away from you? He said, yes, he took it away from me. 
And for, by his, what he was telling me, he said, that boy asked him the same thing. He said, if I get saved and get right with God, he's going to take it away from me. When you desire it in your heart, and you won't have under it. Friend, I want to tell you right now, the Bible tells us he'll give us the desires of our heart. We draw nigh unto him, he draw nigh unto us. If we come to him with a full heart, all our heart, that's what it takes. We're, we're living in some stuff right now outside the deliverance from God. It, it, it probably ain't going to happen. We got things that's got a hold on folks right now that ain't never had a, fo- a hold on folks. And the doctors ain't going to deliver them. Parents ain't going to deliver them. The hospital ain't going to deliver them. It's going to take God's saving grace to deliver. You take a man possessed, I'm trying to stop this moment, you take a man possessed by a legion of demons. 2,000, that's what legion means, means more than 2,000. If he can deliver somebody with that much uh, possession in his body, he can deliver anybody that will come to him. I believe that. I believe that. God's grace makes a difference, amen. Lord, we love you this morning. Appreciate you loving us. God, I tried to preach what you laid up on our heart there a few weeks ago. Oh, God, I don't know what anybody deals with here completely. And, uh, Lord, I pray, God, you just help them. Lord, but you know my heart. Lord, I, I hate going to churches and church, knowing and realizing that folks sit there service after service deceived, Lord. And, Lord, only your Holy Spirit can shed light on hearts to let them see what they need in their heart and life. Lord, I pray, God, you would do that. Lord, most of the time we get concerned about those that are outside and the church with their addictions and their problems, but, God, we really need to start on the inside. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be able to do that. And, God, I pray that you'd search my heart and my life and just help me to be what I need to be. And we sure love and thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name.